Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Good morning, everyone. It is Friday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, Assistant Sports Editor for Multimedia at the Post-Gazette. Joined today again by Noah Hiles, the vaca- Everyone's on Vacation crew here on the, uh, the North Shore Drive podcast, normally hosted by Christopher Carter. He is enjoying some well-deserved time off, so you've got us today, Noah. Yeah, they got they get they get us again. Uh, as if Wednesday wasn't enough of a treat. We're back for more here on North Shore Drive. Yes, indeed. And our topic today is the best coaches in Pittsburgh sports putting together a ranking. It's it's that time of year. It's slow. This is kind of the last day of summer vacation in the sports journalism world before football really gets kick kicking into high gear on Monday. Uh, we'll be getting ready for Steelers training camp. They report Wednesday. They start Thursday. So we're going to have tons of coverage of that on the channel next week. But for now, Noah, we're just going to do a little fun topic because we have the time to do it of who do we rank as the best and worst coaches in Pittsburgh sports. Um, and we're going to start from the bottom of the list, work our way up in each segment. Um, and we're, we're going to arrive at who we think is best. You have a list. I have a list. They may not necessarily be the same. That's where the fun is going to come in. Um, so I'm looking forward to doing this with you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want, do you want me to get started right now or? Yeah, I say go for it. Yeah, go for it. We'll we'll start with your list first, and then I'll give you my picks for the bottom three coaches. The bottom three. All right. So to be clear, we're the the coaches included here are the head coaches for the Steelers, Pirates, Penguins, Riverhounds, and then both head coaches for uh, Pitt and Penn State football and men's basketball. Correct. Um, Which is where, uh, you know what? I'll start it off with uh, Derek Shelton. I think he's at the bottom of my list. a very nice guy from the limited time I did cover the Pirates when he was the manager. Um, and I, I think that he maybe can be a good coach. But so far, I mean, I it, I don't understand how you could put him anywhere higher than eight out of eight right now. Just because, I mean, his career winning percentage is something around, I think, like 350 here. Um, and while this team, I wouldn't say, was viewed as a world beater heading into the season. This is, I think, the first time he had some sort of tangible talent to work with. Definitely a much better group compared to his first two or three. Um, and just the recent quality of play has been terrible. And I get it. They're still in a bit of a rebuild here, Adam. I, I, I think that it can turn around maybe next year or the year after. Um, but it just hasn't been encouraging. It's it's hard to argue that it has. And some of that goes on the decision-making by the manager there. I'm, I'm not sure if he'll be 
you know, fired at the end of the offseason, I think, I th- or when the offseason approaches, I think that, you know, if this, if this slide continues and they lose a hundred games, I think they should consider maybe firing him. Um, I don't know if that'll happen though. Uh, but yeah, I just think right now it's just been all bad. Some of it's not his fault. Some of it is. Yeah, I agree. Derek Shelton is in the bottom spot on my list too. Guys just are not developing. That's kind of what I'm hanging this on is guys get to the big leagues and, and we're not seeing growth from, from a lot of these guys. Now the sample size is still small with a lot of them. Henry Davis, Nick Gonzalez, Andy Rodriguez just got here. So there's still time to, I think, change that narrative. But as of now, most of the guys who've come here from Indianapolis have not developed, have not gotten better. Even Mitch Keller, um, who's the big success story, there's a big asterisk there, in my opinion, that it took three years for them to kind of figure him out before he started showing the results that he's now shown he's capable of. So that's why I would put Shelton at the bottom of the list. I'll go next with the next bottom coach for me. I have Mike Sullivan, believe it or not, the two-time Stanley Cup champion as my eighth best coach. Um, This is the now. This isn't the all-time. I'm talking in terms of, you know, where have we, you know, where are we with these teams right now? And I, I think Sullivan showed a lack of, of interest in adapting last season. And um, at times, I think it, it cost the Penguins in games and they missed the playoffs by a very small margin. They missed going to, the, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals by a, a very small margin, possibly, because once you get into the postseason, that's all it takes. I don't know if he's molded the team that he has into what the best form of it is. I think he wants to play the way he did in 2016 and 2017, um, a little more fast and loose when he doesn't necessarily have the personnel with that. And I think he's stuck, you know, I think they stand by guys like Jeff Carter a little too much. I mean, I I think a healthy scratch it a few times last year would have helped in certain matchups with Jeff Carter, um, other guys who weren't performing. We didn't see that from Mike Sullivan. We didn't really see any adjustments at all. And to me, that's why I would put him toward the bottom just based on where we are. Um, because his team is the one of the few here that I think very clearly underperformed expectations. Yeah, I, I, I you know, I'll, I'll talk more about Sully when it gets to the spot where I have him at. Um, but I think you have some valid criticisms there. Uh, my seventh spot just goes to Mike Rhodes. Simply, again, we're going with unproven. Um, you know, not not a terrible career at VCU. Three NCAA tournament appearances, but never won a game in March Madness. I think that that's you know, that's, that's, that's a tough thing to have on your resume when you're being promoted to a power six head coaching job. If you've never won a single game and it's not like, you know, he was coaching at a school in the NEC or, you know, a, a, a very small mid-major, he's coaching at a program that has had success in March in coaching at a team in a conference that routinely wins games in March. And I'm not saying, you know, every year at the Atlantic 10 – has a final four team, but you would think, you know, in three tournament appearances with a, with an Atlantic 10 team, you should be able to win, I think one game there. And I'm not, you know, saying he's a horrible coach because of it, but I just think that compared to others, I think he's probably aside from Shelton, the most unproven of the bunch. I think that, you know, we'll, we'll have a better, obviously a better gauge on what he can do once he gets to actually coach games for Penn State. But right now, I'd put him at number seven on my list. Yes, I have Mike Rhodes at number six, so just one spot yeah. ahead of you. I like what he's done in, in recruiting. I yeah. think he's overperformed expectations there a little bit, considering he was kind of starting from zero with this roster that Michael Shrewsbury left behind. Obviously, there were a lot of seniors who moved on, but there were also some 
um, you know, key pieces that were in Micah Shrewsbury's recruiting class that are now following him to Notre Dame instead. So given what Mike Rhodes had to work with, you know, just on his performance at Penn State so far, I'm, I'm impressed by the class. That's not enough to put him any higher than this on, on my list. I think he's, you know, I, I explained my reasoning with Sullivan and Shelton. Those are the two guys that I think actively did harm. I think starting here with Rhodes, you're, you're adding value. It's just a question of how much value. Um, so that, that's why I would put him sixth. Um, what do you have for, for your sixth coach, Noah? Yeah, you know, and I kind of agree with you where my bottom two are guys that, well, my bottom one, it's things aren't going well. My seventh is, who knows, he just started. But I think six through one, these are all very good coaches. Uh, but at, at six, I have Pat Narduzzi. Um, again, a solid coach. I think probably one of the more underrated coaches in college football. Uh, when you consider the program that he inherited, there was no stability. Uh, there was, you know, it was, it was a very apathetic vibe to the entire thing to the program for the fans and everything. And, and granted, I mean, it, it pit football isn't still what it was in the eighties and it's going to take a lot more success for it to get even close to what it was in the eighties. But I think it's impressive for what he's built. There's still more building to come. And I think the reason he's not higher on my list is because this team still routinely loses a game. It shouldn't lose every year. Granted under Narduzzi, this team has beat the number two team in the country. I believe twice I want to say Clemson and Miami um it, it, they've won an ACC championship as well but the, it's the losses like to Western Michigan and Miami in 2021 both of those games are home losses you win those games you're in the college football playoff with Kenny Pickett who knows what happens uh you look at last year the losses a 27 and a half point favorite you lose at home to Georgia Tech the week they fired their head coach you lose on the road and get to teams like, you know, to a team like Louisville, who had no business beating you. And that changes a nine and four season, which is good to something that could have been even better. And you look at some of the decision making that accounted for those losses, especially this past year, where you can make the argument that his team may not have played the best quarterback possible on their roster. And that might have cost them a few games. Um, again, I think Narduzzi's a good coach, but I don't think he currently. Uh, is coaching his team better than the guys that I have ahead of him. Interesting. So we differ really on Sullivan and Narduzzi. I think we got two, the same two in the bottom 10 or yeah. bottom three, excuse me. Uh, we both have Mike Rhodes. We both have Derek Shelton. I have Mike Sullivan. You have Pat Narduzzi. I'm a little bit higher on Narduzzi. I'll explain that when we get to it. Um, Noah, any final thoughts on these bottom three? No. And, I, and again, I think there is a sizable gap between Narduzzi and these other two. And I think that, like, honestly, I kind of wish we could just, for me, put Narduzzi in this next segment because I think he could. you can make an argument that he's tied or in the same conversation as probably the next three names that I'm going to say. Well, I will tease and say that we will talk more about Pat Narduzzi in the next yeah. segment because I have him a little bit higher. But before we do that, I just want to give a shout-out to one of our sponsors, Pella Windows and Doors. They're sponsoring all of our Steelers coverage. And we're going to be getting into Mike Tomlin here in a bit. So we wanted to give them a shout out. Um, and we wanted to give you our, our little recommendation here. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella windows and doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560. 
to discuss your project further. That's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. We will be right back after this. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. We are back on the North Shore Drive podcast. I am Adam Bittner, assistant sports editor for Multimedia, joined by Noah Hiles, our pit beat reporter, continuing our ranking of the best coaches in Pittsburgh sports right now. Um, Noah, I'm going to let you go first. We're in the middle three here out of eight. Um, We've already done the bottom three. So who is your fifth place coach on your list? And this one I'm sure will probably differ on. I'm going to go with Bob Lilly. Um, I think Bob Lilly's done an incredible job here in Pittsburgh. I mean, if you look since he's taken over, the team pretty much has gotten better every single year. I know they had a really good year. I think it was like 18 and night or 2018 or 2019. One of those years they finished first, I believe in the regular season. Um, but every year this, it seems like that the entire organization is progressing. There are more people showing up. It just seems like a more legit operation. And this year, again, they're, they're kind of really on fire right now. Um, but the reason I have to dock him and put him at fifth is he's not coaching at the highest level of the sport, you know, where if we're going to compare Lily to guys like Tomlin and, 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 and other guys, Mike Sullivan, it's they're coaching at the absolute peak of their sport where Bob Lilly's coaching at, in the second best soccer league in the United States, which isn't a known soccer power so that's why i'd probably have to dock him but again very impressive job for what he's done in his time in pittsburgh bob Lilly, the coach of the riverhounds i will tease and say i have him much higher on my list but i will get to that sure. when i give yeah. my explanation for him later um my next coach is jeff capel from from pitt um i think he had a great season last season but i think you know even early in the year they lost what was that game they lost noah that that was really bad at the very beginning Pick one: West Virginia, Michigan, VCU. Uh, I, those are yeah. They started the season one and three. So yeah. So they they started rough last year. I think before last season, things were in a level of disarray. Where you were talking about is Jeff Capel going to last? And to his credit, he got his guys together. He went on a great March run um, and and reinvigorated basketball in this city. So, I mean, he deserves to be higher on the list than these guys we've talked about before. But for me, I need to see it again, Noah. I need to see it this year. I need to see it next year. Um, I, I got to have a little bit more of a track record than one year with um, some older guys that you pull out of the portal to, to make me believe that this pit basketball program is a sustainable thing that can can get us back toward where we were in the you know early 2000s in the aughts with Jamie Dixon, Ben Hallen, where they're competitive every single year. Um, you know, I, I need to see just a little bit more from Capel. So that's, that's why I I'm docking him a little bit compared to some of the other guys on this list. Okay. Who, who do you got at number four? My number four is Mike Tomlin, coach of the Steelers. And I know this might not be a popular pick with a lot of people because he, you know, has not won a playoff game in some times. And I, in some time, and I think that's a fair criticism. 
what I will say, and I have said it many times on this YouTube channel, and I'll say it one more time in case you're just joining us for the first time, is that I kind of look at Tomlin in three different phases of his career. At the very beginning, he had Bill Cowher's players, he had a, a championship caliber roster, and he got the most out of that, I think, with a Super Bowl title, getting back to another Super Bowl that they lost against Green Bay. I think he got the most out of that team. And then I look at the subsequent Killer B years where some of those old heads were kind of gone. They, they were no longer backstopping this team. And it was more on Mike Tomlin as a coach to kind of keep things together. And they were good. They were talented. But I think they underachieved in those years, certainly with Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, um, for factors that were in his control, but some that were beyond his control. Regardless, I think that you, you'd like to have seen more from that period of time. And then I look at this last four years where you had to deal with Ben Roethlisberger's injury, um, you know, his his decline and now the rise of Kenny Pickett. And I, I kind of look at that situation and say, I think he's gotten the most out of what they had in those years. And that's not to say that, that you shouldn't have higher expectations, especially as we look from this season forward where Kenny Pickett's been in the league. He's been in the offseason program. Um, this is the window where I think you start have to, having to win. But when I look at the last four years, I don't see a time that I can hold against him because I don't think that roster was good enough to do much more than it did. I agree. That's why I have Mike uh, a lot higher on my list. Um, so I'm at number four, correct? Yes. You're, yes so this is your number four pick. I'm going to go with Jeff Capel at number four. Um the reasons for you having him, I believe at what, six or five, mm -hmm. I should say, um, are the reasons I have him at four. I, and I, I think it's actually kind of like the inverse of your reasoning, though. Um, this this team this last year started one and three. They had no reason to believe in themselves. I mean, this team hadn't won anything since not even Capel got here, but before the guy before him also hadn't done anything. Um, but he got that team to come together and believe after – they lost their highest recruit before the season started after they lost numerous players due to injury. Um, and they lost the player entering the season who everyone thought was going to be the key piece. He only played eight games for them to be able to rally and, and, and beat some of the best teams in the country, including one team that went to a final four um, was impressive for me. It really was. No one expected that. No one saw that coming myself included. I, I, was pretty confident that I was going to be covering a, a head coach search uh, at the, in, in April, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was writing about, you know, how Pitt was going to recruit after making the NCAA tournament. And something that also needs to be mentioned about this Pitt basketball team last year, everyone talks about that one and three start and how they recovered. They also ended the regular season one and three, which isn't necessarily the great endorsement that you think it is when you're talking about, you know, head coaching, like, Oh, you know, his team needed to win two games in their last four and they win the ACC regular season title. They only went one and three. Well, they didn't roll over and die after that, Adam. They, they went to Dayton, and they won a nail-biter, and then they beat a six seed from the best basketball conference in the country in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. And I think that that needs to be commended upon. I always thought very highly of Jeff Capel as a recruiter. He's always been able to bring in talent, and it was kind of just a perfect storm that hit him where – he had something going and then off, you know, off the court stuff kind of blew that team up. And then in the midst of a rebuild, a pandemic hits, the transfer portal stuff happens, NIL. And it just seemed like, you know, the guy couldn't catch a break. 
And this year, he finally kind of pieced it together with chemistry. I agree. I need to see a little bit more. I'm very intrigued to see how this upcoming season goes for him, simply because I think this roster that he has for this upcoming season is more talented than last year's. But it's a lot younger. And can they establish that chemistry and play as a cohesive unit? If they can, then you really have something. And you can make the argument, I think, if Pitt makes a tournament again and competes for an ACC championship, Jeff Capel deserves to be in the conversation as one of the top two coaches in the city. But right now, I have him at number four. Um, And then to keep things rolling, I'll just name my number three. I'm going to go with James Franklin. Uh, James Franklin, to me, if I were like giving him a letter grade, he'd just be a B coach, like a B, where he has a lot of resources that if you compare stuff like Narduzzi, does not have. And so he gets a little bit more out of his players. He recruits well, but he, he's able to recruit well. I mean, it's easier to convince the top players in the state of Pennsylvania to play in front of 100,000 fans compared to 30,000 fans. And they have a better tradition at Penn State, and he's been able to take advantage of that and really rebuild that brand, which hadn't been the same in 10 years, although it, it that program saw some success after, you know, the – the bad stuff happened, which we don't need to get into. Um, but he re- he re- rebuilt it up. Penn State's a top 10, top 10, 15 team regularly now. They're getting good recruits. They're competing. And I think that this upcoming season, they have a chance to put themselves, you know, take that next step. But he hasn't taken that step yet, Adam. He, he, he can't really win the big game. You know, they had that one win over Ohio State that every Penn State fan loves to talk about, and I'm going to get yelled at for even making that comment in the comment section. But the reality is, yes, he, he's a good coach. He's not a great coach yet. I think he can be. And I think, again, like I said with Capel, we can make that claim maybe soon. But for him, he's got to beat one of the big dogs when they're at their height, which still, Ohio State, Michigan, they're still two of the top three, four, five programs in the country. Beat one of them this year with what you've built, and now you're in the conversation as one of the best coaches in the country for college football. I agree with everything you're saying. I'll explain in the next segment why I have James Franklin a little bit higher on my list. Um, my number three is Pat Narduzzi. I'm, I, I guess, much higher on him than you are, Noah. I look at, at, I look at him as the kind of guy who's brought consistency to Pitt, yeah. which is what I think it most lacked. For a long period of time, he did not view this as a stepping stone job. He's going to go down with, you know, Dave Wanstat, with with Walt Harris as, you know, the, these guys who came here and stayed and, and didn't didn't just bolt for the next job that was available. And I think that's why Pitt's starting to succeed. Is it's Pitt is now a program; it's no longer a team, and they and have they have no duty to thank for that. To to build off what you're saying, he's better than those two coaches. He's had more success than Dave Wanstatt and, yes. and, and Walt Harris. I mean, you could point to, sure, like those guys had maybe better recruiting classes. They had, you know, some memorable games and everything, but Pitt is a better college football brand than it's been since really, like I think maybe the 1980s. So, and you know, unless we're bringing up like Jackie Sherrill, I think he's the best coach Pitt's had in a long time. And I, yeah, I probably underrated him. I hope he doesn't see this. He's definitely going to call me out on it if he does. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think if I were to do this list again, I'd probably have them a little, a little lower. I don't know. I just, I, I have a lot of respect for a lot of these coaches that I'm naming here. Yeah. Yeah. I think you and I have been re- reiterating most of the guys on this list all do a good job. It's just a matter of trying to sort who, who's a little bit better than the next guy. So yeah, I just give, I give Narduzzi a lot of credit for the consistency that I always thought Pitt was lacking 
at the beginning of the last decade and and with all those coaching transitions paul christ um what's his name the guy who the todd graham i mean high octane baby yeah, this the, Pat Narduzzi is is the guy who has kind of brought this program back, and I, I do need to see more for him to stay here. I think on this list, yeah, you know, he can't rest on these laurels forever. If he's at the same level a year from now, I might think a little bit less of him than I do right now. But I, I am impressed by what he has been able to accomplish. Um, just just pushing that boulder up the hill a little bit at a time. Um, all right, no, we are going to be back with our next final two picks each. Um, the top guys on our list, the crowning of the best coaches in Pittsburgh. But before we do that, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deal- deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up until the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always have the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PITTPIT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are back with the final segment on the North Shore Drive here today with myself, Adam Bittner, Noah Hiles. We are ranking the top coaches in Pittsburgh sports Noah, I'm going to let you start with your number two before I do my number two, and then we both unveil our top picks. For my number two, I'm going to go with Mike Sullivan. Mike Sullivan, excuse me. And and I know you had him way lower on your list. Here's why. I mean, I just think it's unfair to not take into account the entire body of work. I know you're talk. I know you kind of viewed your list as where are these guys at right now. I tried to do a little bit. I mean, but the guy's the best coach in the history of this organization. I and that you want to talk about stability. I mean, granted, he wasn't there the entire playoff stretch, but this is a guy who kind of held it together while general managers have been changed. Presidents have been changed. He's had a billion different goalies and, you know, even ownership has changed, but he has been, he and, you know, a couple guys who wear the numbers 87 and 71 and 58, they've been the model of consistency in that sport. Um, And he's been able to kind of, I think, prolong a core better than what we've seen other championship dynasties in the NHL recently have been able to do. You look at what happened after that Blackhawks group, after they won that last Stanley cup that they won, they faded off pretty quickly at him and not, not in the same sense where yes, the penguins, I mean, they've only won one playoff series since winning their, their Stanley cup in 2017. But when I'm talking fade off, I mean, the Blackhawks just became irrelevant 
in like two, three seasons immediately after losing or, or after their last Stanley Cup. And the same thing can be said for the Kings or the Penguins. Granted, the postseason success isn't there, but every year, I mean, they're still winning division titles. They're still in the mix, but, you know, one year it's a goalie injury. One other year it's a pandemic. One year it's it's uh, a goalie just really costing the entire series. And, and those things, yes, you can point to coaching, but I just think when you compare pro sports, especially the NHL, it's a crapshoot in the playoffs. And... Yeah, his some of his decision making has cost the, the Penguins a lot of wins, especially like I said in the postseason. But to be able to get there consistently, despite all the change, all the turnover, all the juggling that he's had to do, uh, I think is impressive. And I and again, I think that they've been able to hold it together and remain competitive a lot better than past dynasties of the same era have. So that's why I put him at my number two spot. Yeah, you know, that makes that makes sense. I think if we're talking about if, if he's doing what I think he's capable of, I think he could be a one or two for me on this list yeah. as well. I, I think he's proven that. He's a championship caliber coach. I just worry that he's gotten stuck in his ways and that that has contributed to uh, maybe – you're giving him credit for keeping them competitive, but I think they could have been more competitive over this last and four or five fair. years. Um, and so, you know, I think he has to be responsible for some of that. Um, and, and, and so that's why I had him a little bit lower – well, a lot lower on the list. Yeah. Um, my number two pick, Noah, is James Franklin from Penn State for a lot of the same reasons that you articulated. Um, I also give him, I think, a little more credit than you, considering what he's had to deal with at Penn State from um, a donor and administrative situation. There has been a lot of resistance for Penn State investing those resources that it definitely has in the way that a modern football program should. Um, there's a lot of resistance because of Joe Paterno. There are loyalists within the donor base, within the fan base, even within the offices at Old Main and, and, and up at the Bryce Jordan Center for the administrative offices. Um, so he's had to fight through a lot to get Penn State at that same level, I think, where it belongs with Ohio State and Michigan because those those programs, I think, innovated a lot better than Penn State did from a, from a whole program standpoint. So I give James Franklin credit for dragging Penn State forward. I also want to see him you know, win a big game and, and get into a four-team playoff. Um, you know, I, I think you have to give him credit for the fact that if it was a 12-team playoff like it's about to be, He'd he would have been in it several times. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I give him credit for that too. But you, you to take that next step, to be that unquestionable coach, you got to start winning these big games. So I agree with, with most of your logic. I just give him a little bit more credit because the behind-the-scenes stuff at Penn State is a profound – I think uh, hurdle for him to overcome. Yeah. And I'll, I'll go ahead and say my one now, because it kind of goes off of why I had Franklin at three and not two. My top two coaches won championships and that's, that's what it comes down to. And I know it's, it's been a while since this guy won his championship. I think I was um, in eighth grade, a um, little older than that now, but uh, Mike Tomlin, I still think is the best coach in Pittsburgh for a lot of reasons that you listed. Um, he, I, I did not think this team in the last couple of years had a lot of talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I think that they're putting it together now. I think that for a while, um, pretty much ever, ever since really the end of the Killer Bees era, this has been a team that's won a lot of football games thanks to maybe four or five players. It's, it's, it's a group that's got three or four elite-level talents and then a whole bunch of very average guys behind them. And like I said, I think that we're seeing a transition where 
it's getting better and they're becoming a deeper and more talented roster from top to bottom. But the way that he's led these transitions of the end of the Cower era team, where yes, yeah, a lot he inherited a Lamborghini and he didn't crash it, which look, it's the NFL. There have been plenty of guys who have inherited Super Bowl caliber teams and got nowhere with them and ruined them, really. But he did it. He he kept it competitive and he won two AFC championships, one Super Bowl. Um, some people could argue they could have won more, but it's really hard to win a Super Bowl. So the fact that he even won one is really impressive to me. Uh, and the way he ushered out that that cower group and transitioned it into, you know, he had a couple of eight and eight seasons, but then transitioned it into this offensive identity that this city has really never seen with its football team, Adam. It's always been a defense, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust, and all of a sudden, holy cow, they're scoring 35 points a game. They have the best running back in the league. They have the best wide receiver in the league. They have a top five quarterback who, sure, he might throw a lot of interceptions, and he's going to throw a lot more touchdowns. And, uh, yeah, they kind of became a Big 12 team for a little bit. And the, the ability to adjust to that identity and deal with all the drama with a quarterback who, you know, wanted a different offensive coordinator seemingly every two, three seasons with a wide receiver who, you know, maybe didn't have the most consistency up on his noggin and a running back who admittedly made some mistakes with his career choices. Uh, I think they got a lot out of that group. And I think barring injuries and I think some poor draft selections, they probably could have won a Super Bowl. They did not And some of that falls on Tomlin, but still in this league, it is hard to get to a Super Bowl and he remained competitive. And then you look after, I look at the official end of the killer B era um, I mean, you could say, yeah, when Le'Veon Bell and, and, and AB left, obviously. But I think when Ben's arm got injured against Seattle in week two, I believe, what would that have been, the 2019 season? Uh, that, was the, that was the death of the Killer B era because that team completely changed. And, and for them to have a 500 season with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, which I think actually was kind of a detrimental thing more than a good thing for the organization long term, for them to win 11 games with Ben the following season – to get to the playoffs and Ben's last year when, I mean, no disrespect to Ben as a football player, but that was not the Ben Roethlisberger that we saw for the majority of his career. And then to, to handle a rookie quarterback situation for the first time in his professional career as a head coach, where he's always just kind of had the quarterback thing figured out. And the first time to handle that 10 plus years into the job. And I thought he made the change at the right time. He stuck with his guns. And I think they're going to be better moving forward because of the way he went about it. I think that's what makes Mike Tomlin the best coach in the city of Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I think I think you and I are on the same page on him. It's just a matter of, you know, now it's time for him to vault himself up that list by doing the things that, to get back to that mountaintop that we've seen him at before. Um, yeah, I have no qualms with you putting him number one. I just, I also understand the critics saying, I w- that they think that they should have seen just a little bit more at different points. Yeah. Maybe you win a playoff game in 2020 instead of getting blown your doors blown off at home by the Browns. Maybe maybe you finally are able to beat New England in 2016 to get to that Super Bowl championship rather than just kind of rolling over. And so I get that criticism on that part. Yeah, and to conclude my like to build off that point and to conclude what I'm saying, find me a guy on this list that hasn't had groups that underachieve. I mean, find me one. Penn uh-huh. State, you know, had teams where, you know, you can make the argument that they should have gone a little bit further. Same for Pitt basketball, Pitt football. I mean, the Hounds is a different conversation, and clearly that's your number one. But um, 
Yeah. Like everyone, every great coach, Don Shula had teams that underachieved. Belichick had teams that underachieved. That's sports, man. But overall, I think there's one guy right now in this city who I think is a Hall of Fame coach, and that's Mike Tomlin. Sullivan, you have an argument, but Tomlin is a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. And and I have Bob Lilly of the Riverhounds as my number one uh, because this is this is probably going to be a controversial pick, but he's done so much. Um, you know, you get in your hat there. There it is, the hat, the hat. Uh, yeah, I have I have Bob Lilly at number one just because he's building something here, and he's. I understand your your perspective there, Noah, of saying, well, he's not at the top level of his sport, um, but I can only grade him on what he's doing at his level of the sport, and he's taken yeah. a franchise that was honestly on the brink of extinction, yeah, and he has turned it into, I believe, a destination for a lot of you know especially younger sports fans in the city. You go down to Highmark Stadium. I was down at the uh, – I think they played San Diego, and, and the, pl- the place was jumping. It, it had energy. Um, it, it had it had that feeling. And, you know, I think it's also a really difficult job to, to perform in, in that division of soccer because the rules are changing constantly. You have to get new players every year. You have to find them not from a university down the street. you got to find them from all over the world. Noah, I mean, these are these are guys that are coming from from different clubs, from different places, and he's able to every season take those pieces, put them together, and move the ball forward. Um, the one criticism I think you can have of him is he has not won in the playoffs and hasn't gotten them, you know, where they probably should have finished based on what they were during the season. I think it was either the twenty ninth, I think it was the twenty nineteen season yeah. where they were won the conference mm-hmm. um, and, and they quite well short of what what they were capable of. Um, but you know, I just think when you, when you look at what he has had to work with to start and what he's built this thing to, it has gone from being an afterthought to a team that I think people are starting to consider in, you know, if we had done this video five years ago, we wouldn't count Bob Lilly. We wouldn't count the coach of the Riverhounds. We wouldn't say that that's part of this. It was just kind of a, a a novelty type of thing. I consider the Riverhounds part of this conversation now of teams in the city and, and a, a professional, well-run organization. I think this also has something to do, you know, with the growth of the USL championship. They intend, you know, I've talked to some people, they intend to compete with MLS in, in terms of becoming, you know, maybe the AFL to the NFL or the ABA to the NBA, where they have to be taken serious as an entity. Um, they have much less restrictive player contracts, so guys can come from Europe who are good young players they can prove themselves, and then they can go play in, you know, the English Premier League um, or Serie A or whatever. They they they're going to get some young talent that the MLS cannot get. You see MLS getting guys like Messi, who obviously has had a great career, yeah, but he's at the end, right? And mm-hmm. you you see MLS get these old guys who are trying to get one more payday before they're done. USL is trying to go in a different direction, and I think you've seen that quality jump up, and you've seen it in the form of the Riverhounds knocking off not one, but two MLS teams this year in the U.S. Open Cup. I mean, find me a guy on this list who staged two upsets like that, um, whose name isn't Dave Wanstad. Right. No, I, I agree. I mean, listen, you're not going to find a bigger Hounds fan in the Post-Gazette newsroom than this guy. I I, I watch him every Saturday on TV when I can, and I, I've gone to a couple of matches with some of our coworkers I've dragged along there, and um, – yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed. And like you said, I think you hit it on the head where he's made this an established brand where, I mean, I, I grew up playing at halftime 
at Riverhounds games at Bethel Park High School when I was a little kid. Just that was the halftime entertainment at youth soccer. And you look at where they've come from, you know, playing at a high school field to now packing Ac- or not Akersher, um Highmark Stadium and, and being an event that I can't, I still can't name one player on the team, but I follow them. I, I read our stories on them. I, I look in the standings and I, and I am interested in them. I still don't view them in the same light that I would a major division one athletic department or a, you know, an NFL and N- or an NBA, NHL or uh, MLB team, but they've made their, they have, they've carved their own little spot here. And I think they're going to continue to do that. And if they win a championship, Adam, it's, it's going to get even bigger, I think. And it also helps that, you know, there hasn't been a lot of success professionally in this city recently uh, with all the professional teams, but the Hounds are doing it. And they're a good team. Uh, they're a really good time. I encourage everyone to check it out. want to make one last quick note here. The actual best coach in the city of Pittsburgh, I think, is Dan Fisher, the head coach of Pitt Women's Volleyball. If you look at the success that program has seen and you look at the resources that he has to work with, with that team competing still in the Fitzgerald Fieldhouse and the recruits that he's able to get out of high school through the transfer portal. Very impressive what he's done. I think he's probably the best coach in the city of Pittsburgh right now, but he wasn't eligible to be selected. So I went with Tomlin. You went with Bob Lowe. I'll give my honorable mention. If we're doing honorable mentions to Kale Sanderson at Penn state, I think if he was part of this, he would be, he's won a million national championships. He has done an unbelievable job there. Now, granted Penn state is a huge wrestling place. So maybe there was a a lot of resources there. Yeah, but it is very hard to win. Uh, I don't even know how many he's won. That's how many he's won. Yeah. When you when you can say that about a guy, you know he's done really well. So, no, this was fun. I'm glad we did this. I am too. I am too. Um, everyone, stay tuned next week. Uh, you're going to have me on Monday again, but then after that, Chris will be back on his normal Monday, Wednesday, Friday editions of the North Shore Drive podcast. Um, we'll be talking all things Steelers next week because we're going to be getting into training camp. I think Chris is going to be out there a fair amount, so we might have some. On the scenes reports from practice. Uh, make sure you're subscribed and, and make sure you check out the subscription deal down in the description. We just started a new one. You can get uh, three months of access to postgazette.com for just 99 cents. That is a killer deal. No, that you can get everything Noah's writing, writing, everything I'm writing, everything all the Steelers guys are. It's a, it's a ton of value for $1 for three months. So hop on board, check out that subscription deal. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we will be back with you next week. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, Looking forward to training camp. Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you liked the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you enjoyed it on Apple Podcasts, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down in the description.